This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to a new credentialing effort launched this summer in the SUNY system for people working directly with New Yorkers with developmental disabilities. To discuss the program, including its future implications more broadly, we're joined in the studio at the Capitol by Joe McBeth, CEO and President of the National Alliance for Direct Support Professionals. Welcome to the studio, Joe. Thank you, David. Good to be here. So first of all, when we talk about direct support professionals and we think about the sector overseen by the New York office for people with developmental disabilities, what types of jobs are we actually talking about here? Well, historically, they've been considered entry-level jobs. These are jobs that society thinks that just anybody can do this work. When in fact, it's supporting people with intellectual and developmental disabilities in every aspect of their life, helping them find and keep meaningful employment, helping them live and contribute to their communities, helping them find and keep meaningful relationships, helping them understand safety and protecting themselves from abuse and neglect. While on the surface, it may look like an entry-level job that just anybody can do, In reality, it's a job that requires a high level of skill, a high level of independent judgment, and a reference to ethical professional behaviors. So they're representing their employers in virtually every community in this nation. And when we talk about that phrase, direct support, these are hands-on jobs. These aren't jobs that people traditionally do from a desk. This is interacting one-on-one, providing a variety of services to people with special needs and and a variety of demands, right? Yeah, I mean, it's direct support, but it's personalized. You need to be person-centered. You need to know the people that you support. You develop deep professional relationships. You may be providing very intimate personal care helping people use the bathroom, helping people in the shower, but also, more than that, helping people contribute to their community. People with disabilities historically have been segregated and separated from community. It's only been the last 50 years or so where communities have embraced people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And a lot of that is on the shoulders of these direct support workers, these direct support professionals who are helping people live and thrive every day. Well, let's turn then to this credentialing program that was announced by the SUNY chancellor and is going to be rolled out at participating colleges across the state, I believe, uh, at least primarily within the community college system. What does it mean to have some sort of credential? Every profession has a body of knowledge, a set of core competencies, a, a code of conduct or a code of ethics, an affiliation with a professional membership organization, and a license or certificate or a credential to practice. Direct support is no different than any other profession. It shares those five common principles. And we have been struggling with recruiting and retaining these workers for more than 40 years. We've been admiring this issue for a long, long time. And part of the way to keep good, highly high-performing direct support workers on the job is to create these career lattices, where as these workers advance their skills, they are able to earn more money and to keep them in these jobs. We have been plagued by 50, 60% turnover 
over the past 30 years. One of the ways to combat turnover is to provide these career lattices to recognize their skills, objectively measure their skills, and that's done by the NADSP, and to bestow these credentials. We're trying to create pipelines for young people to understand what this work is and bring them into these jobs. A lot of high schools around the state of New York have vocational programs that provide entry-level work into home health aid jobs or personal care attendant jobs, very important jobs, noble work, essential work. The reality is the direct support professionals who support people with intellectual and developmental disabilities do all of those things that home health aides do, all of the things that personal care attendants do, and so much more. The problem is, because we don't have a standard occupational classification, a job title that's recognized by the United States Department of Labor, this work is anonymous to school districts. It's been anonymous to the higher education community across the country, not just in New York. So in order to raise the awareness about this really valuable work, we're trying to create more access to these jobs and provide awareness to school districts, to community colleges, that these jobs are available. And SUNY and OPWDD have come together using ARPA funds, um, the American Recovery Plan Act funding, which is short-term funding, to create pilot projects that they can introduce, fund, and measure its efficacy, measure the effectiveness of these initiatives. The micro-credentialing program in the SUNY community colleges is one way to build a pipeline to explain to community college students that here's a job that we will train you for. We will prepare you and provide you with level one certification. So if you choose to do work as a direct support professional, you're prepared. So is this then primarily about spelling out the duties of a direct support professional, having them actually written down and then saying to people, here's a job, here's a legitimate job because it's been licensed or credentialed and you should go into this field and here's what's expected of you? I think it's a couple things. One, it's it's explaining what the job is. Mm -hmm. The second thing is the job is so complex the job requires so many different skill requirements that the community colleges are going to be able to teach what we call competency-based learning, providing knowledge around the skill standards that were developed for this job 25 years ago. So we can create a cohort of potential workers who are familiar with the research behind this work. The skill standards were developed by research. They are measured, they are universal, they are portable, and they are real. So we're teaching these students about the research of the work, and it's basically the textbook of the job. And what we want them to do is take that learning and apply it in your everyday practice. And when you do that, you will be what we call an intentional professional. 
and we want to use the the curriculum that is being taught at these SUNY campuses to focus on building an intentional professional. Well, how is this so-called micro-credentialing similar or different from what we might think of as a licensure that might be regulated by state officials, whether it's to practice medicine or law or just to do something with somebody's hair uh, in New York? Well, I think that's down the road. I think this credential has been created by the National Alliance for Direct Support Professionals, who is uniquely qualified, who wrote the code of conduct for this workforce, who created the core competency set for this workforce, who created the certification process for this workforce. It's in partnership with the state office of people with developmental disabilities and SUNY. So it's not at the point where it's licensed by the state of New York, but what it is, it's recognized nationally. And other states are doing the same thing. I think down the road, we're going to take a look at getting this as a licensed certification, similar to what a lot of certified nursing assistants receive, CNAs. And what's the difference then between credential versus a license, this process that, as you described, is further down the road? What's the practical ramification? I think that's going to be determined through public policy. I think if we see the success of a credentialing pilot supporting people with intellectual disabilities who are achieving meaningful outcomes in their lives. And we see that it has an effect in reducing turnover in this workforce. Then I think we could take that next step to get it codified in state licensure. I don't think we're there yet, but I think this is a really solid first step down that path. In addition to kids who might be in the SUNY system right now and are at them, the schools where this could potentially be rolled out, do you envision this also being an option for people who are already in the field, who are already practicing these jobs? Is this a pathway for them, or do you view this as something for the next generation of direct support professionals? I think it's for both, David. There's a lot of incumbent direct support professionals who are going to school right now. This is a great way to fortify their higher education with skills and knowledge and values around their jobs. It would certainly help them in their work. A lot of direct support professionals that I have met over the years can be intimidated by higher education. And the notion of going back for a terminal higher education degree is intimidating to them. But when you focus on the work that they're doing every day and connect it to knowledge, connect it to your higher education and building your own professional portfolio, it is certainly for both. It's meant as a pipeline to attract new workers who enter this field, provide them with an internship, give them that first level of certification, and it prepares them to be successful on their job in day one. It also is for those incumbent workers who can take what they're doing on their job and apply it towards earning these micro-credentials. It's a win-win for potential direct support professionals and incumbent direct support professionals. Well, finally, is there an expectation that with a credential, someone's earning potential is going to increase? Because I know that is one of the challenges in this industry. It's not just being able to see a a career path forward, but also 
earning a wage above and beyond what you could get for working in retail, for example. So do you think this will lead to higher wages in the short term or long term? It must. Because this is using short-term funding, we can only provide bonuses That's using that ARPA funding. Mm -hmm. When we demonstrate the efficacy and the success that and the value that credentialing has for this direct support workforce, then we need to start having conversations with state governments about incorporating into hourly wage increases that last forever. If you give a direct support professional a bonus of $500, $1,000, chances are that they're going to spend that money tomorrow or the next day on paying a bill. But if you raise their hourly wages, that's forever. And I'm not talking about $0.25 cents an hour, $0.50. Cents. We're talking something that is, is meaningful to create a living wage for this workforce. This workforce has been historically underpaid. We created this community living model for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities when we closed institutions 50 years ago. We built this community living model on the backs of the direct support workforce because we said we can do it cheaper. And the only way we can do it cheaper is by paying direct support professionals poverty level wages. This is not poverty level work. This is highly valuable work. And in order to create this profession, part of that is that credentialing leads to career ladders that leads to a living wage, a wage that you can raise a family on. The only way direct support professionals can make more money today is by working overtime, and many of them rely on that, working a second, third job, and many rely on that. We want to get away from that model and, and help people earn those credentials, see an hourly wage increase as you get it. But that's going to take time. That's going to take a lot of advocacy work to get state governments to, to fund a credentialing program in regular practice. So then just following up on that future you envision, it seems like the micro-credentialing we're seeing now is really a first step in a larger set of holistic and broad changes that you'd like to see in the workforce. It's a very important first step, and we, we wouldn't be able to do it without this short-term temporary funding. And I applaud OPWDD and SUNY for not only the SUNY micro-credentialing program, but they also funded NADSP with a $10 million ARPA grant to certify 2,500 incumbent workers across the country or across the state who are currently working in organizations supporting people with IDD. This project is being evaluated by our colleagues at the University of Minnesota, and they're going to be looking at how our certified direct support professionals providing better outcomes for people with disabilities? Are they staying on the job longer? And are they happier in their work? And at the end of this process, the University of Minnesota will be issuing a report, and I'm hoping that is going to create a pathway that for longer-term funding. There's no short-term solutions to this long-term systemic failure in funding the workforce. 
Well, we've been speaking with Joe Macbeth. He is the president and CEO of the National Alliance for Direct Support Professionals. Joe, thank you so much for making the time. My pleasure, David. Thanks for having me. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.